Yep, kids, you can head on down to Children's Church. morning everybody come on in everybody grab a seat it's good to see you this morning um justice if you'll throw or elijah's back there there you go throw up psalm 103 if you would please that's how we're gonna get started this morning so psalm 103 as we get into our worship today if i can have it or i'll just roll off my head if necessary we could get oh there it is it says bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You know, one of the ways that we bless the Lord is in our worship. Do you know that? In our, our praise, in our adoration, in our, our focus to him, we bless the Lord. But why would we bless the Lord? Well, we bless him because we forget not all his benefits. Now, how many of you, the Lord has benefited you? Let me see. Who's there? Well, you have reason to praise him. You have reason to worship him. We bless the Lord all of our soul, all of our inmost being, because of the benefits of God. Now, he's God, and he doesn't have to bestow benefits upon people, right? You don't have to, but he does because God is good. And it says, forgetting all his benefits, who forgives all your sin. God is a God who saves. That's what we're talking about in this series. How many are saved? Let me see. God has rescued you. He has been your deliverer. He not only forgives all your sins, but he heals all of your diseases. Salvation ends up being a total being situation. He redeems your life from the pit. In other words, again, it's deliverance. He, he rescues you. He pulls you out of the mess of life. You know what God does? God can take what looks like a trash pile and grow a garden. You know that? God can take a mess and make a miracle. Amen. You, know, you know, I saw um, uh, it was online a few years ago. So you have the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that's constantly been going on for years and years and years and years. But there's an organization that takes some of the shells that were shot back and forth that that the shrapnel and things like that they take it and they create art with it they take something that was meant for destruction and make beautiful things with it that's what god does what the enemy desires for destruction god makes beautiful things amen so he redeems your life from the pit and he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy or love and compassion in other words what is the crowning of your head, what guides you, what guards you, what identifies you is the compassion and the mercy of God. That's what he does when he redeems you from the pit. Amen? As a matter of fact, he satisfies your desires with good things. You know that? How many of you have ever brought requests to God knowing that God is a good God and he will satisfy the things of your life with his goodness? How many know that? As a matter of fact, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. God is even counting those who have been sort of left out of what we consider the good of the world, the, the, the orphan and the alien and the widow. God draws the oppressed into him. The kingdom is built with such a peace. That's why we bless the Lord with all of our souls. 
that's why we do what we do for the first few moments when we gather together as a church. We pray and we worship him, blessing the Lord because of his benefits. Amen? So how about we stand together this morning? I'm going to open in prayer. Let's stand together this morning and let's, let's spend time in praise and worship to him. Lord, we praise you today and we worship you. You would lift your hands up. Holy Spirit, come be with us. Holy Spirit, saturate this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, mark us as a people. A people who belong to you. A people who are yours. Lord, Lord, as we do sing songs and with our voice and instrument, Lord, that, that is acceptable to you, but in the way that draws us close to you, that your presence would be manifest here this morning. So be with us, Lord. Be with us for your, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Mercy calling when death was arrested and my life began. And ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. And my orphan heart.
promise rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life
trailer this year. He is so good. of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow with humble adoration
All you have to do is say yes. That is why he is so, so good. Just let him in and go free. He has the same gift for you that he had for anyone else in the Bible. We all have the same eternal reward.
Right. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to have you. Let's take up tithing offerings. So if you have something to give, you can prepare that. There's offering envelopes in the chairs in front of you. If there is not one, one of the ushers will help you out. Wave your hand around, and they will come find you and give you some help. I'm going to pray over your offering this morning, so if you do have something, you can bring it forward and, and throw it in the, the baskets up here. Lord, Lord, the tithe is holy unto you, and we tithe in response to the goodness of who you are. That we, as the psalm says, we don't forget all of your benefits, that as you have, Lord, been a blessing to us, Lord. So as we give today, Lord, we recount the blessings of life that you have brought to us in provision, Lord. We live in those things, Lord, that you are our provider. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. Come on down. If you have it, uh, uh, some quick announcements. Obviously, the biggest announcement is, is we got church picnic today. So I hope, I hope everybody's coming out to it. Uh, if not... I encourage you to come if you forgot about it, or maybe, you know, we've been advertising, bring a, a dish or a dessert to share if you totally forgot and don't have that come anyways. We got you covered. It's okay, all right? Uh, what we're going to do is when church is over, uh, if you've never been to the Millers where, the, where we're having a picnic, we're going to put the address on the screen. That way you can pop in your phone and put it on your maps and, and get over there. So a lot of times I still, how many of you guys remember MapQuest? And you still, you print, so I, I get made fun of because I say, well, you use your map quest, and they're like, dude, you like, sound like you're 100 years old when you say that. Don't use, you got to remember when you had to print the papers out, and you don't get out, how many remember that? And before that, you actually had a book, like, with maps in it, like, literal maps. Yeah, so, so if you got to use your map quest, go ahead, that's all I'm going to say. So anyways, uh, we'll put the address on the screen, come on over and enjoy some time. I hear there's going to be some fierce euchre playing going on, apparently, from what I hear. Um, if somebody wants to take on a charity case and put me on your team, I'll play. I may not help you, but uh, I'll be fun. I know that. Anyway, so that's today. So again, if you, if you generally don't come to these things, I encourage you to come on out anyways. It's going to be a good time. Uh, next announcement is this coming Saturday is the ladies' coffee and crafts morning, correct? Yeah. This Saturday the 16th at 10 a.m. Uh, if, if you have it, just to cover some of the supplies, it's five bucks a person. If you don't have it, that's fine. Come anyways. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. So if you have any questions about that, I have zero knowledge of what is happening there because uh, it's a ladies' thing. So you can either see Margaret or Kelly about that, and they'll help you out. Um, youth camp is coming up. Pump 2022 youth camp is just around the corner. It's not this week, but the next week. I think we have eight of our teenagers are signed up to go. So if your young person is not signed up yet and they want to go, see me. We'll make it happen. And, and by the way, don't let finances stand in the way at all. If there's a struggle with, with finances, it's okay. Let me know. I will help you out. So, and that's coming up. I got Friday night, by the way, the Friday night service at camp. I'm going over to do it. So uh, spend some time with the kids there. So anyways, that's coming up quick. And... Let me see, I thought there was one more. Nope, that's it. Well, good, all right. So if you got your Bibles, you can get them out. Oh, we had a good time on vacation, by the way. Thanks for allowing us to, to break away for a week. And we went to Idaho um, to visit my son, Ryan, and spent some time up there. And he lives in a place called Sandpoint, which is, uh, uh, 
it's a pretty interesting area. Sandpoint has this ginormous lake called Pende Pondere. It's a French word, but you say it different than it's spelled, kind of like Belle Fountains, Belle Fontaine, that kind of thing. Anyways, um, this giant lake, so you got the whole boating and sailboats and jet skis and fishing, but it's completely surrounded by mountains. So you have this conglomeration of water and hiking. It's a really cool place to be. So we spent some time in the mountains and did a couple different hikes. And the first hike we did, there was a lot of snow up there. Um, actually, you were at times on the trail, there, was, there were two or three feet of snow. And you actually would break through the snow. It was kind of getting slushy, you know, a little bit, and breaking through the snow. But I had fun. Margaret, maybe not so much. But anyways, I had a good time. And we saw some cool stuff up there. So anyways, thanks for, yes. Oh yeah, we saw a baby moose up there. That was kind of cool. But I was like, where is mama at? Because this could get sketchy in just a couple moments here. Where is mama? We never saw mama. We saw the baby. I'm just like, ooh, I don't know about this. But anyways, um, it was a good time. So but we're glad to be back. So if you got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, we'll get there in a couple moments. It's kind of the, the first verse we're going to get to, Ephesians 2.1. We started a series a couple weeks ago, and again, I appreciate uh, Nicole and, and Tim coming and, and covering. I heard they did a great job, uh, brought a good word. Um, started a series entitled Images of Salvation. I am a big picture Bible person, okay? In other words, I see the Bible, I see the scriptures in a big picture way, and I, I believe it's necessary to see the Bible in a big picture way because when you see the big picture, you're able to come it down and bring it personally. I think sometimes if all you do is mine for personal things, you actually miss the big picture of a lot of things that are happening in Scripture that are so important to what God is up to. So what I wanted to do, I was actually sort of inspired. I was doing some uh, reading of theology recently, and I was in, in that reading, I was sort of uh, inspired to do a series in that. But I wanted to take the word salvation and what it means to be saved, and give you the different ways the Bible talks about salvation, whether it's through descriptions or images or, or analogies or, or metaphor, whatever it is. There are different ways that the Bible talks about what it means to be saved. And what you do is when, when you're able to, to, to take these big picture things, it, it, kind of like a puzzle, it kind of, they overlap and, and, and work together, but it's sort of a puzzle piece you put together. You get a bigger picture idea of what it means to say, I am saved. So how many of you this morning say, I'm saved? Let me see. Well, there is a big picture understanding of what that means. Let me, let me tell you something it's not. So we're going to learn about a lot of things it is, but maybe learn some stuff that it's not. Salvation is not completely contained in going to heaven when you die. Okay? That, that, that's what you hear a lot. Well, you need to ask Jesus in your heart. That way when you die, you go to heaven. Okay, yeah, that it's contained, but that is not the totality of salvation. That's an aspect of it. Of which, by the way, you may not experience if Jesus comes back before you die. That makes sense? So a big picture uh, look at salvation gives you some thoughts like this. You are saved from things, but you know you're saved to things also. And your salvation is a now event, not just a future event. Okay? Or like we just said, it's not just a when you die event. 
Salvation is now, and it's about the life that you live now that leads to a life that is to come, okay? So we, we talked a couple weeks ago about that salvation uh, within it has this idea that I have been rescued. Everybody loves a good rescue story, right? I have been rescued. In other words, uh, in the New Testament, where you see the word rescue, sometimes the word deliver, uh, they, they, the Greek word for that, they can sometimes use either or there. That I have been delivered. That, in other words, I have been rescued and saved from something. I've been delivered from something. I have been delivered from the wrath of God. Amen. That's part of my salvation. I have been delivered and rescued from the work of the devil, of the enemy. That's part of my salvation, right? I have been delivered, rescued from an eternity without God. That's called the second death in Revelation. I've been, I've been delivered from it. I've been rescued from it. So salvation uh, has a lot to do with things that I'm rescued from, but, but you're rescued two things. Well, like abundant life. You're saved to abundant life. You're delivered, and, and, and we see the big uh, models in the Bible like the Egyptians uh, and, and what Moses did and, and the plagues and stuff and the Israelites coming out of Egypt to worship God in the desert, right? They're saved, they're delivered, they're rescued from bondage. It's an image of what it means to be saved. I'm rescued out of bondage into the freedom of proper worship with God. Amen. So I'm saved from things. I'm saved two things, and it's not just about going to heaven when I die. Now, let's say you do die, and you are saved. Do you go to heaven? Absolutely. The Bible says, Paul says to be absent from the body, this physical thing, is to be present with the Lord. Now, is that, is that the end of all things? No, you haven't read the end of the story yet. Keep on reading Revelation. You'll get there. There's a time when he makes all things new. And you get your body back. He said, well, I don't know about that. Do I, get a, do I get a trade in? Do I get an upgrade? Do I get to pick what age I am? I don't know any of that stuff. All I know is we get a new, brand new physical being. Amen. So salvation is saved now. But how many of you are working out your salvation? So you're being saved and when Jesus comes back, there's a finality of salvation that I will be saved. So I'm saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Amen. But a big part of that, and one of the reasons that is able to happen is, well, what I want to talk about today. The image of salvation, if you take notes, write down this word, reconciliation, or to be reconciled. That's the image of salvation we want to cover today, reconciliation. Everybody loves a good, good love story, you know that? How many of you love romantic movies? Not me. <laughs> if you ask me how many romantic movies I've ever seen in my life, I bet I couldn't even get to past five on my hand. All right, so that's not me, but everybody loves a good love story. I know that because I'm married. Now, bonus points right there, you see that? Um, Somebody asked, uh, I'm, I'm going off base here. Somebody asked about our anniversary was in June on the 11th. Yeah. yeah. But I said, it's, it's not really a big deal to me because every day is my anniversary. So anyways, I got no response from that. But anyhow, um, but everybody loves a good love story. But 
Um, but I'll tell you, everybody loves a good story also where there was a broken relationship that's been restored. That's what reconciliation is about. And, and you see kind of maybe one example in the scriptures of, of a foreshadow of it is Joseph and his brothers. Remember that story? Joseph's brothers in jealousy uh, sold him into slavery, counted him off as dead. And then years later when the famine hit and Joseph was elevated in, uh, to authority in Egypt by the, by the, the working of God, um, the, the family comes to buy provision because of the famine and Joseph recognizes his brother. And we see this wonderful outworking, not perfect, not entirely the way God does it, but we see a working of reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers and his family. We see these kind of workings in the Bible that lead into the ultimate reconciliation, and that is man with God. See, reconciliation means this, a restored relationship between two persons who were in hostility to one another. Not only that the relationship was broken, but there's some hostility going on there. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever had a friend that became an enemy? Anybody? Yeah, you understand a story of a broken relationship where there's some sort of hostility going on there, right? Reconciliation means that that relationship had been repaired, restored, and made right. One of the images of salvation is that our relationship with God, though we are at odds with him, has now been restored and made right in an in actual better way than Joseph and his brothers or better way than any other story we can find in the Bible, but in the perfect way that can only happen because he is God. Now, that word that we find in the New Testament for reconciliation, it, it carries this kind of a meaning. The exchanging of a hostility for a friendly relationship. So reconciliation ultimately deals with the root cause of the issue in the relationship. Now, now, when it comes to God, what is the root cause of the problem in a relationship? What is it? Sin. Whenever we talk about sin, we're never going to sugarcoat the fact that sin is in this world. And each person has the ability to sin. As a matter of fact, each person has sinned. And, and when, I, when I write in my notes any, any kind of a way about sin being the problem, I always capitalize the, T-H-E, the capital. It is the problem. But God comes to deal with it. God has come to save us. Amen. And in the aspect of reconciliation, it is an outworking of what we call the atonement. In other words, what Jesus did on the cross in dying for our sins and the shedding of his blood, because of that work, we can be in reconciliation with God. Theologian Michael Byrd, uh, he says that reconciliation, especially in, in Paul's theology and his understanding of salvation, is the broad way of seeing salvation that includes most other aspects of salvation. In other words, right relationship with God is at the heart of what God is up to. Amen. So, 
Think about it this way. Images of salvation. I am rescued from wrath. I'm rescued from an eternity separated from God, right? But that's not the end of it. Part of it also is I'm saved to a restored and right relationship with the God of all things. See how there's two different aspects of, of the same thing? I'm saved from his wrath, but I'm saved to right, proper, restored, healed, mended relationship. That's my standing with God. That comes in my salvation. That's what reconciliation is all about. But let's back up to this whole idea that sin is the problem. Let's look at some verses here. So humanity in our sin is at odds with God. Now, you understand that man may not even be aware of this in his heart. You know that? You know, there's a lot of people out there who don't realize they're, they're at odds with God. You know that? But listen, God is well aware that we're at odds with him, even if at times we are not. Do you realize even after your salvation, when you're dealing with temptation and sin, God is aware of what happens in the relationship with him because of that much more than we are? You know what I mean by that? Sin is the problem. And it causes mankind to be at odds with God. So Ephesians chapter 2, Elijah, I'm going I'm to roll with you on this. We're going to hit some different ones. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. So watch this. The, just the very first part of the first part of Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you, that, that's anybody pre-salvation, and you were dead in your trespasses and your sin. See, as we know in, in Romans, we're doing a series on Romans on Wednesdays. The Bible says that all have sinned. That word all is, is what? It's all-encompassing. All have sinned, and in, in their sin, what have they done? They have fallen short of the glory of God. Because why? In our sin, we're dead. Right here. Sin causes the deadness that, that puts us at odds with God. That's one aspect of our sin. Here's another one. And we were just mentioning this. So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 3. Jump up there, Elijah. And we'll pick up mid-sentence. And you were by nature children of what? Of wrath. So, so here's the deal. Listen. Because of sin, and because God is a just God, and he's a good God, but God must deal with what is at odds with his character, wrath is coming. You know that. Wrath is actually already working itself out in the world. But wrath is coming in a final way that will judge sin in a very a final and finished manner. Without God, people are by nature children, in other words, those who receive wrath. Wrath is coming for sin. So not only are we dead in our trespasses, we're actually children of the wrath of God because of our sin. You can't sugarcoat what sin does. James chapter 4, verse number 4. Throw that one up there for me, please, Elijah. James chapter 4 and verse number 4. It says, you adulterous people, 
Do you not know that friendship with the world, in other words, uh, the life of sin. Now, let, let me just say something here. This is kind of an offshoot. You are to love the world as God loves the world. Amen. Because you will never reach out with the gospel for what you do not love. Correct? But you're not to be friends with the world in the way that you are participating in the sin of the world. That's what James is getting at. Okay? So, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Notice that word enmity. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself a what of God? Enemy of God. So what does sin do in, in, in mankind? Now it makes you dead right here, but it puts you at odds with God in a certain way that you're actually an enemy of God and children of the wrath that is to come because of our sin. You think about that. That is the state of man of sin. You have a good creator who makes things good. And remember after he made man, he said, and that's very good, very good, right? The good creator made good things, but then here we are, doing our, our human being stuff. And we find ourselves in sin, but because of our sin, we find ourselves at, at odds with God, actually enemies of God. But see, that is why reconciliation, that aspect of salvation, is so important. Because in our salvation, that relationship that has been broken because of sin, so much that we are called enemies of God, we come to find relationship that is repaired and restored. That's powerful. Repaired and restored. It, we're going to read a, a couple of verses in a minute about reconciliation, but I want you to notice the wording of it. In all cases, is man being reconciled to God and not God being reconciled to man? You see, that, that's a big deal. Because in the relationship, we are the ones that did the wrong, not him. Isn't that correct? So when it comes to a restored and repaired and made right relationship and reconciliation, man is being reconciled to God because he has always been in the right. Never in the wrong. We're in the wrong. And that restored relationship brings us to him in his goodness. As a matter of fact, here's an aspect that I think is so, so wild is Often when there is a relationship that has an issue, often, not always, you can't just broad breast this completely, but often it is the one who did the wrong that comes to the one that did the wrong to to ask for forgiveness, right? But in this case, it is God who has come to us to reconcile us to him. The one who was in the right the entire time came to the ones who did the wrong, the ones who wrecked the relationship, the one that brought odds to the relationship, the ones that actually made the relationship of enemy here. He comes to make it right. That's the power of a loving God. So Romans chapter Number five, actually Romans five is where we'll be Wednesday 
in our Romans series. Romans chapter number 5. We'll read three different uh, passages here. And, and verse number 1. We're going to read down through verse 10. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. What does that mean? Come Wednesday. <laughs> we have peace with God. We're going to talk about what that means in just a minute. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now watch this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for who? Who did Jesus die for? The ungodly. The God who loves us, who is not in the wrong, has come to make right the relationship with the ones who made it wrong. The one who is God comes for the ungodly. Let's keep reading. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But watch this, verse 8. But God shows, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what I love about God? He doesn't expect you to get it all right before you come to him. He shouts out, hey, come as you are. Because you can't make it right anyways without me. I, I remember a uh, uh, youth pastor, you guys know, a long time ago. And I started praying a, a crazy prayer that the Lord started answering. And then when he started answering it, we had some issues. I said, Lord, send me all the kids nobody else wants. And they started showing up. Like, a lot. Like, I established a smoking pad out the back of the youth center. So the kids that were addicted to smoking, they had their cigarettes before they came in, so they would sit through the service and not leave to go smoke. But then, of course, the church people. Oh, my goodness. You would have thought I was burning the place down. And eventually I just said, okay, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. I'll make a cutout board of Jesus, and we'll put it on the edge of the parking lot, and anybody who fits perfectly through that board gets to come to church. Or we can just say, hey, come as you are. Let's hope we meet Jesus when you come. I mean, I mean what's, what's we want to do here? For while we were yet sinners, imperfect, ungodly, at odds with him, enemies of him, Christ died for us. Why? For reconciliation. To right the wrong and men relationships. That's what God does. Let's keep reading. Verse number nine. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, watch this, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled, in other words, restored, repaired, made right relationship to God. By the death of his son, 
Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received reconciliation. That the work of God, to me personally, as a sinner who reached out to this 17-year-old kid in the midst of my life mess and still loved me, and still cared for me, and still called me, and he had been calling me all, I knew, I knew for years he's calling me, and just resisted, denied, sometimes took some steps towards him, sometimes turned around and walked the other way, constantly trying to break into my world with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He never gave up. He never quit. He didn't stop. Why? Because that lost sinner, that boy, that needed saved, was the desire of his heart to bring right relationship. Not just to save me from the penalty of sin, but bring me into a relationship with him that he desires. You know, at the moment of my salvation, at that moment, I got to call him father. You know that? Now, I was saved, but man, I was messed up. I didn't, I didn't have it all worked out in, overnight. It wasn't like the next day. It was like, pow, look at me, perfect me. I'm ready to be, be just transliterated. Take me up. Be the next Enoch. I was still a mess. But I was saved. I was made a new creation. I had to learn what it means to live it out. I was justified. I didn't understand any of that. I was justified, forgiven this way, but I had to learn how to live sanctified, right? But at that moment... This messed up me was in restored and right relationship with God that I could call him father. And you know what the benefits of that is? Then he's my dad. And I'm the heir, at that moment, I'm the heir of a restored relationship and all the good things of God. You know what that means? No more shame. I, I didn't have to be like, Adam and Eve, after sin, hiding from him. Like, you can hide from God anyways, but trying to hide from him. Like, you didn't have to walk, hey, where are you? I didn't have to hide in shame. Was, was I perfect? Nope, but I didn't have to hide in shame. Did I have to carry condemnation for my past sin anymore? No, condemnation was taken off me. I've been forgiven. Took me a while to get that through my brain, I'll tell you that. Took me a while to, to feel like I was free. It took me a while to, to sometimes think, did God really forgive me for that? Because that was something I don't know about that, you know? That wasn't him. That was me working it out. But he's my father. Shame and condemnation are a thing of the past. And, and, and again, to start to see, listen, you've got to start to see God the right way. Listen. We get hung up on we're children of wrath. That a just God is going to judge things. Yes, he is. But my goodness, God who would go to those great lengths to have a restored relationship with me is not sitting there with angry at me all the time. You know that he's not angry at you. He's not waiting for your sin so he can zap you with some lightning bolts or something. Not sitting there, oh, 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 let me write on my little chalkboard for you. You're, oh, well, there's one more. You got nine, one more, buddy, and it's over. I'll just wipe you off the board altogether. 
God's not doing that stuff. He desired relationship with you so much, though you were considered an enemy, he comes in human form and he dies for you. My goodness. That's salvation. Salvation is that God is my Father. Through the work of Jesus Christ, and now the activity of the Holy Spirit, what that means in living with him. He's my Father. I'm saved to that. You know what it also means? We talk about this eternal separation from God, the second death. Now, all of a sudden, that means eternal life with God, my Father, the good God. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse number 17. A lot about reconciliation here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, in the work that he has done, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. And all of this is from God, why he desires you who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and watch what he did then, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Making God making appeal, his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See how that works? So I want to implore you first what, what Paul writes there. Be reconciled to God. In other words, if you are not in right relationship with him, I encourage you to, today to do so. And, and as the scriptures teach us, all, all it is is a reaching out to him. And a confession, yep, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. I can't do anything to remove the guilt of my sin. But you can. As a matter of fact, I don't live in the Old Testament where we're still doing all the sacrifices and, 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 and the sacrificial part of the law. We're not doing that stuff anymore because Jesus came. And the once and done sacrifice happened 2,000 years ago. The work is finished. And all we have to do is just confess his lordship and believe in the work that he did. That's it. That's simple. Reconciliation through that right relationship because Jesus is the way to the Father. Amen. But the second part of that is you say, okay, I've, I've already been there. Okay, cool. But you have been given, think about this, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You have been given the ministry of taking the gospel so people find themselves in right relationship with God. Do you know that just saying somebody's in sin is not the fullness of the gospel. 
Somebody can be aware that they're in sin, but they also need to know that sin was taken care of in Jesus if they'll accept it. And in that, this God who, while they were yet sinners, died for them, wants to be personal and close. The Bible says we enter boldly in, right? I think it was a little bit ago, uh, Wednesday night, this was something that was said. You know, it, it's only the king's child that can go bug the king at 2 a.m. for a glass of water. But that's the kind of relationship you can have with God. You're, you're, you're never a bug to him. You're, you're never a hassle to him. Lord, here I come again. He, he said, come on. Yeah, I, I, I think... I think we're all that way as parents, I hope. But definitely when you get to be grandparent stage, you kind of get that way. You know what I'm saying? Maybe your kids are like, oh, my gosh, grandparents, come on. Well, maybe we're like grandparents. You know, your grandkids can do no wrong, right? Come on, let's go. It's not that we don't do wrong with God, but he's always bringing us in. Come on. Yes, I know you messed up. I saw it. I'm aware. Come on. Right? God, I have a need. I know, I know. I knew it before you did, but now you're professing faith. Come on, jump in here with me. Let's go. Restored and right relationship, that is our salvation. I'm not scared of God. I have a healthy fear that if I decide to live life my own way and live in sin, that there's judgment. I'm not scared of him. I don't, I don't enter timidly to pray. Are you angry with me today, God? You ever, you ever get around people that before you talk to them, you kind of try to sense their mood a little bit? God's not that way. You don't have to sense his mood. You just, hey, hey, Father, God. I, I, I want to be with you. And, and by the way, there, there's an aspect to restore relationship of, of you wanting to be with him, not just going knocking on the door when you need something, that you learn to... to to know his presence and to live with him and, and desire him above all things. You know that? That's part of reconciliation. But I'm so thankful that God loved this boy at that time who was pretty messed up. Who at certain parts, even as a teenager, you know teenagers, I thought I figured some stuff out. thought I knew some stuff. Thought, thought I was at least grasping the, the tail of the world at least a little bit, that I was going to make a life and, and, and make some good money and, and, and do the kind of things I wanted. I, I, I thought that that's where I was going. But God knew better. And even in spite, as I said, the many times I openly denied him. I don't want nothing to do with this stuff. And he never stopped coming after me. Because ultimately, what God wants is that intimate relationship with his creation. Remember Moses? He, he would meet with God face to face as a friend meets with a friend. Yeah, that's, that's what God desires, a face to face, presence to presence relationship with you. That's an aspect of why Jesus died on the cross. So it's not just dying and going to heaven someday. It is right 
restored, repaired relationship with God, our Creator, and our Father. Amen? All right. We're, we're going to close out with, with communion today, so if, ushers, if you would, if you'll come and bring the tables out for me, please. Images of salvation. There, there's a handful to go through. We're going to talk about what it means that uh, Jesus is our Redeemer. What's that have to do with salvation? We're going to talk about redemption and, and some different words like that. Forgiveness. You can't talk about images of salvation without talking about forgiveness. So different things that overlap and go together. But right here are the symbols of why this is possible. The sacraments. Representing the body of Jesus and then representing the blood of Jesus. Without this, there is no ultimate and full reconciliation. In, in the Bible before Jesus, whenever you saw somebody that was acting as a mediator between man and God, Moses, some of the prophets maybe, uh, even essential things like, like even uh, aspects of the law, that, that were acting as, as a mediator between man and God, those things were entirely insufficient. Though they played a role, as Paul writes, they were sort of like guardians until Jesus came. They were insufficient. The fullness of reconciliation, the fullness of it, can only happen because of the work of Jesus on the cross. There is no other way there. Or why did Jesus die? You got, you got to think. It's not, like, it's not like, well, God's up there. Well, what can we do to kind of make this dramatic? I'll tell you what. I'll go there in flesh and die on a cross and raise from the dead, and, and they can throw that in the story, and now there's something good to talk about. They can throw a holiday on it called Easter. No, that's the plan of God. It is the essential act of God. The cross and the resurrection is the greatest moment in human history because of what it accomplishes. Amen. And Jesus, then at that last supper, the Passover, right before his death, he, he, he did this with the disciples. He said, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, that we never forget not only the act of Jesus dying on the cross, but we never forget what it means. We, we talk, well, human history, we're, we're just getting be better because of technology. No, 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 no. Say what you want about that stuff. The greatest moment, the high point of human history was the work of Jesus on the cross. Because what it means, not only for us, but it reverberates through the entire cosmos because someday God will make all things new, including creation, based on that work. Amen. So this is important because of what it means. So if, if you would like to this morning to participate, and you, don't, you don't need to, but if, if you'd like to partake of, of communion, you come to the center aisle, grab it, and sort of filter out around so we're not running into each other a little bit. But you can take the elements back to your seat, and we'll partake together in just a moment.
could remain standing. So before we partake, can we take a moment to examine ourselves? And maybe think about it in the light of the message today. Maybe your salvation to this point has been, hey, thanks for forgiving me, God, and kind of doing your own thing. Yeah, I'm saved. I ask for forgiveness. I ask Jesus in my heart. But you're missing out on the reconciled relationship part of it. In other words, you are not in relation with him. A, a, daily, a daily connection, a daily communion, a daily way of living with him. I would encourage you before you partake today to kind of recommit yourself to that. And it starts with something we were talking about on Wednesdays not long ago. Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. You saved me, but I, I need you all the way through. I'm still being saved. <laughs> and, and I hope, as, as Paul writes, to attain the resurrection of the dead, to be saved. But I need you. And Lord, I commit to walk my days with you. In other words, be a disciple to follow you. You know, there's all sorts of people that claim salvation but aren't disciples of Jesus. You know that? There's all sorts of people that, that pray to a sinner's prayer at some point in their life, but they are not actively following Jesus. Because remember, you're not saved just from your sin. You're saved to freedom from it to a life of abundance of discipleship in him. It's a life that we live. So I would encourage you before we partake today to commit to that life of restored relationship. You think about relationship. I'm married to my wife, obviously, and we have a relationship. Imagine if I never talked to her, if I never spent time with her. You know what I mean? I always found something else to do. I'm too busy, have other priorities. I'm not sure I'd be married anymore, and rightfully so. Kick me to the curb and find somebody who treats her right. Relationship means interaction and participation and talking and communicating and presence and being with. That we actively pursue these things. That's what God wants. That's ultimately what he wants. He wants a reconciled relationship. Amen. So, so let's, let's pray before we partake. Lord, Lord, we commit ourselves to you to actively being with you. Whatever that means for each one of us in our work schedules and the things we have in our lives and whatever, it's, it's different for each one of us, Lord. But we commit to a daily life with you. We commit together to be disciples, to follow you, and to learn what it means to live life on a daily basis with you. Following your lead, keeping in step with the Spirit. Help us. We need you. So, Lord, as the elements that we hold in our hands, the bread represents your body, the, the literal physical sacrifice in our place 
and the fulfillment of the wages of sin, which is death. That you took our place. And we thank you for your willingness, your obedience to death on that cross. Partake of the bread together. And Lord, your shed blood, which washes away our sins and, and removes what is at odds between us and you, that sin. It covers that sin that made us an enemy of you. And in your blood, we find forgiveness. to be restored in right relationship. Lord, we thank you for what this cup symbolizes. For it washes away all of our sins. Let's partake of the cup this morning. So if you would, just for a moment, just, just thank him for the work of the cross and what it means to you. Lord, we thank you and we worship you. We praise you, Jesus, that you are setting the world right. You are saving the creation of God. You are bringing into fulfillment of the desires of God to right what was made wrong. We thank you today for that work, for what you've done for us as a whole and for each of us as individuals. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, go and be ministers of reconciliation. Go and be ambassadors for the work of God. Because you get to be in on what God is up to that's saving and healing this world. Amen? Amen. All right. If you need prayer this morning, we'd love to spend a couple moments with you. Please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If not, we'll see you at the picnic. I hope everybody's going. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Remember, Justice, you're going to throw up that address right there it is. So put that in your phone. It takes just a few minutes to get there. We'll see you there. Be blessed as you head out today.